Good afternoon, Jamie. How is it going, Keith Tronics? It is going pretty well, actually. Yeah, things are going all yeah. right in the Thompson household. You have a baby? Uh, not yet. Due date is Tuesday. Currently, the wife is still pregnant. So we're kind of just waiting patiently at this moment. As so, in like three days from or four days from now. Yes, yes. So just just a few more days till the due date, but we're not going to induce her on her due date or anything. So unless she goes like two or three weeks overdue, um, we're just kind of in a holding pattern waiting. Come on, nature. Yep, exactly. Right. The first time around, it was week 20, we were like, let's not have this baby nature. How about we just shh for a little bit for like 20 <laughs> weeks right. and then we'll be good. And this time around, we're like, all right, come on, chop, chop. Let's, let's yep. get this thing over with. Now it's going to be, it's going to be overbaked, going to be overbaked before yeah. we are. Yeah. So that's exciting, man. Yeah. Very exciting. Very exciting. Last, uh, last podcast before your, uh, your, uh, your child to parent ratio is, uh, is even. Yeah. Once we have that one-to-one ratio, things are all changing. I have a lot of paternity leave, thankfully. So I'll be, uh, able What's to What's a lot? Uh, 12 weeks. 12 weeks. Nice. So yeah, I have lots of paternity leave. Um, so I'll get to spend a lot of quality time with the little boy and, um, with Eden, which she'll be really happy about. Uh, I'm very excited. That's exciting. Yeah. So now I'm just trying to, you know, it's a month plus after when I promised you I would have Juniper's lab released. So now I'm over here just like continuing to try to release it sort of publicly as a thing, but I wanted to finish off a couple new features, which we'll get into obviously, but, um, yeah. How are things going for you? Yeah. Let's just stay on your side. <laughs> um, oh, okay. Um, so how was your, uh, yeah. So how was your, yeah. Last time we recorded was like a month ago. So it was a while back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been good. So I kind of soft launched, right? I got some people like give them access or whatever, which I don't think they've been really been kicking the tires or anything. So I haven't even got that much feedback, but there were a couple key features that I really wanted to do. One was the great image optimization project, which was, I don't want this application to murder somebody's like data cap or bandwidth usage if they're just like searching through and the images that I was using for all the cards were like 600 kilobytes a piece. Mm-hmm. And um, I only had one big image, basically. And so I was just doing a, the good old max width trick to get it to be the right size for each thing that I was doing. And I was like, this isn't really efficient. I need to go through the process of resizing things and getting things into into a better, more performant um size basically both because it'll make the application faster and because it will lower the usage um for my end users so did that which it was a really interesting project i ended up kind of taking screen shooter and since it already has access to image magic i was like all right we'll just we'll just make like an image optimization pipeline built into this thing so i did that and now it i had to run it on the server for like a day and a half uh, to actually go through and process everything. Cause there's like 13,000 cards that I have images for. And I wanted to do this the best way I could. And the ways I display the cards are in searching. There's like a medium sized version. If you, when you build a deck list, there's like a thumbnail sized version of the card. And then when you, uh, when you go and view the details, there's like a larger version of the card. 
So I was like, all right, well, cool. What's the like image, best image practices for these things. And that led me down using a picture element and uh, generating WebP for everything. Mm, good old WebP. Um, utilizing, I have the 1X and 2X versions, so it handles things better on Retina. And I went through and I did that, generated, you know, 36-ish thousand images or whatever. Screen shooter doing work. Um, but then I realized that uh, Safari sucks and doesn't handle WebP. So wait, what? Yeah, Safari can't handle WebP uh, unless it's on Big Sur or whatever. And I think it like has like bad, it barely handles it kind of on mobile. So I also support JPEG 2000 or uh, JP2. <laughs> so I had to generate the retina, the standard, the like for thumbnails, et cetera, et cetera. So I ended up putting 150 some odd thousand images into my CDN that I generated over the course of like two days. So far sounds really so efficient so far. <laughs> yeah, it's an insane. Well, okay, so get this though. Each image before was like 600 kilobytes, right? My right. My big version now is like 40 kilobytes for a card. Wow. The search version is 15 kilobytes and the thumbnail version is 1.5 kilobytes per nice. card. So the like performance gains were absolutely astronomical. So you have only three versions of each image or do you have like I have, six so, or nine versions? Of each so image? there are 12 versions for each 12, yeah. because there's a 1X and 2X WebP and a 1X, 2X JP2. Mm -hmm. Um for each size of the same card mm -hmm. and there are three sizes mm -hmm. so they're four times uh three cool so you built a paperclip uh yeah well wave. Yeah. ish yeah right well this is where we get into some fun times with oban too so i screwed something up when i deployed screen shooter and when i had my production server of uh because it's screen shooters database list it still doesn't handle databases it didn't do the processing it would just do it one at a time right it would go you would send it the url for an image it would grab the image process it the way and send you back the new version so that's just how right. it works so the way i was doing the job stuff was all from within juniper's lab it would go and queue up thousands and thousands of jobs and go do this thing well when i deployed um my modified version of image magic that could support new versions or whatever. I actually screwed something up. And so it was returning a 500 error, which means that every single Oban job was getting an exception, which it was sending to roll bar. It's processing <laughs> thousands and thousands of these things. Literally, there's no way to just turn Oban off. I, I dropped the table. Uh, I stopped the, the actual Oban pro like queue process using like their API for it or whatever. Like just like I jumped into the remote console and was like, Oban, seriously, stop this. And uh, it just did not give a crap about what I was telling it to do. So it just kept on trucking. That'd be so, cool if that was the actual um, function name. Seriously, what? seriously, seriously, stop this. Seriously, stop this. And so, yeah, I, I could not stop it from trying to process like, so it was like a race against the clock. I was like, well, I'm going to totally fill up my entire roll bar exception yeah. application limit, which I did uh, very quickly. And or I'm going to, you know, like fix this problem and get a new a fix for it deployed before it fills up that problem. Spoiler did not do it fast enough to uh, prevent it from hitting the limit. <laughs> That's crazy. So, Wait, yeah, that so was pretty fun. So you literally can't stop Oban or like you do if you can, too fast. I don't know what it is because I dropped the Oban jobs table 
multiple times inside of my production database. Like I literally went in there and just was like truncate this table, just delete every single job that is in queued. It's already got it in memory. Uh, something. Yeah. Oban did not care. So it would just be like, no, no that's, that's fine. I'll requeue it. It's fine. And uh, it would queue itself back up. So yeah, that was great. I went into Oban's thing and there's a thing to literally pause queue, stop queue, whatever. I was like, stop queue default, which was the queue that I put it on. And it was just like, it gives you the solid okay. And then you check the status of the queue and the status, like there, it's like there is no queue with that name. So you're good, man. Except for it, I look at my notifications in the background and it's just like brrr, just churning through these things. So I'm like, Oban, I have no idea how you work, dude, but your uh, function names are ill named if the stop queue does not actually stop the queue. <laughs> so yeah, that was a real big bummer, but it, you know, was kind of comical. So I think my, so I'm only on the free plan of RoboWire and I was like, I'm not going to pay to upgrade to like the 6,000 or whatever. You just can't have any more exceptions this month. Well, well until the 19th or whatever, which is like next Friday. There you go. <laughs> so I was like, I've got other stuff to work on anyway. So that brings us to feature number two that I needed to work on, which was pulling in pricing information, which I had an old branch that I was working on. So I kind of resurrected that. Wait, wait, what do you mean pulling in? Oh yeah, for, for the uh, for the yeah. for the cards, yeah, yeah. Yep, card pricing information app. and yeah, yeah. doing all gotcha. that stuff. So, I went down the route of like resurrecting this old branch, being like, "Dude, this sucks, man," because there were so many edge cases. I was trying to line things up based on like name of the card. Well, it turns out people don't actually agree on what the names of the cards are, which is mind-boggling to me. And so, I went a ways with that, and I was like, "Why? Well, hey, hey, look at that! I managed to get half of them to actually sync up properly with between my database and what TCG Player has." But then I go and I poke around in their documentation a little bit more, and realize that I'm like, "Oh, there's this other option that's like it's basically it can't document everything that's going to be returned because it's dynamic because TCG Player supports a bunch of different types of games." Hmm. And so it didn't have all the information. Like I couldn't read in the documentation what I was going to get back, basically. And, and so I had to go and like make up a curl request and throw it in, like go actually do it, pipe it into JQ and kind of look and see what came. Back. And then eventually I figure out like, oh, OK, I'm a moron. Like I just need to flip the way that I'm doing this. And I actually do, if I dig into extra data on something, actually have the like identifier that I would use for a card. And so once I figured that out, I was able to like really easily sort of sync them up. So I have all the pricing information pulled in. It's kind of crazy, like that. The real ID is in a in, in a API called Get Extra. <laughs> yeah, it's like oh. Get Extended Data is like the flag you have to send it, and it's like, oh, cool. Here's the identifier for the card, um, <laughs> and because it's not their database ID for the card, it's like the official card number. And I'm like, but that's kind of a big deal. Like, that's like the thing I want, right? Like, I want right. to know, like, I'm looking for card 65 out of 240 or whatever. Um. Yeah. So, so now you have like the real identifier for. Yes. Card, now I have that. Like the name or, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But then that led me to another problem that I kind of I knew I was eventually going to come into contact with, but I wasn't sure when it was going to be a problem because I'm an idiot. And that is that. So when you're playing like a game like Pokemon or whatever, there's there's a, sometimes there are normal versions of the cards, which is just like the plain Jane card you get the holofoil version of a card, which has the exact same card number, but the art is holographic. Um, wow. And then there's what's known as, what there's known as a reverse holographic card, which is the art is not holographic, but literally everything else on the card is. And 
So that and also you get a free has a trip to uh, Willy Wonka's. Exactly. So that is the golden ticket. But so that means that each type of card can have different variations. And this actually gets even further. There can be like a promo card. You can get a promo card with a first edition of that promo card. You can get a staff version, which is only given out to like uh, people who run tournaments and stuff like that. It has like a special version of the card that has staff like printed embossed kind of into it. That's such so a there's, good idea. There's them. all these variations, and those those cards sell for a lot of money too. It's actually pretty. Sweet. I would imagine. I would imagine. Um, yeah. But there's all these versions. There are versions of the cards for like you got top sixteen in a regional tournament. It's this version of the card, but it says top sixteen on it, or like champion or whatever. There's like all sorts of versions of the cards. And I second place. Yeah, there's Sucka. there's literally a second place card. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> um, but for uh, a penny. Oh, it still sells for a lot because you can fake like you want it. They're like came in second at like a you know seven hundred person tournament. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so they there are all these versions, and the way an owned card in Juniper's lab worked was it just matched up a card in the database, which has you know represents a single ID and mm-hmm. a person. It just matched those things up. I didn't, wasn't handling variations on cards. I always and, make it many to many. Just do yeah. it all the time. Well, so Everything. what I ended up doing is I took the owned card amount. And I have now owned card has counts on it instead of count. And it's just a JSON field that can handle uh, the variations. So it'll be like, I own this many holographics, this many reverse holofoils, this many normals or whatever. And then I can work things off of that. But it's still just a um, just a one to one for each individual card ID. It's there's still an index on that. Mm. So. I did that, but that requires that the UI change for how you go through and add things to your collection, because now it's like, you can't just be like, I have one of these cards. It has to be like, depending on which card it is, how many variations there are, you need to see like a different contextually aware list based on the variations. Cause not everything has a hollow foil or not everything has a reverse hollow foil. Uh, so there's lots and lots going on there. So I have, I'm actually in the process of now that I have all that information and it's modeled out, right. I'm in the process of tweaking the UI for adding and removing things from a collection so that it works out. and yeah so that's where we're currently at and yeah it's been a long journey Uh, but also a competitor was released uh like four or five days ago for sort of i mean it's just like a deck builder competitor they still don't do the collection management which the more that i dig into this the more that i see how much of a freaking nightmare it can kind of be uh i go this is actually the killer feature of the thing it's just managing your collection the deck builder thing i built for me and other like competitive people but that's like the small portion of the uh the actual community of Pokemon people, the collection Ooh, managers oh. where the money is going to be made. So yeah, I was like, eh, I'm not super mad, but it did tell me that like, okay, I need to kill, like I need to knock this feature out so that when I launch, I can be like, and I've got this, which literally nobody else on the market does. And hmm. it's not super easy to build. So good luck. How did you find out about this uh, competitor? Um, Because somebody I follow on Twitter had tweeted out like a, page like a deck list from it and I, I like clicked on the the link to the like twitter account for the application and it had like six followers or something and then i looked at the tweets and it was like hey we released five days ago or whatever so that's how i figured out that it had come out mm. it looks it kind of looks like crap if i'm being honest it does some things that are pretty cool which i'll totally give it um, should have used tailwind yeah they should have used tailwind <laughs> i think they use bootstrap honestly it looks pretty bootstrappy <laughs> but yeah I think Juniper's Lab's design looks way better, which is That's obviously cool. just like a slightly modified version of Tailwind's stock UI for most things. All right. And to go I guess it's progressively looked, gets, looks more and more different as I continue to move along with things. Right. But yeah. yeah. So that's 
that is uh, where I'm at, though. I'm still currently in the process of kind of reworking the UI for adding and removing things from a collection. Once I get that finished, I'm going to add collection stats, um, which is just like an overarching, like when you view your collection, I want to tell like how many cards you have, how many rare or like how many hollow foils, what, et cetera. Like but just do a bunch of summation on things and give you now that I have the market value for every variation of a card that uh, I do use a gen server to like periodically go and update like every hour it goes and like updates all of the prices. Cool. <laughs> they change um, that much or like, I mean, is they like can a, occasionally like, like something will happen over there. Yeah, like occasionally something will get announced and like you'll see there's just like a buyout of all of this kind of card on the market. And so the the price like fluctuates like crazy. So that happens periodically. But and TCG players API doesn't seem to have a rate limit. So I can and you can batch like a bunch of things. I can be like, hey, go give me these 250 products in a single batch like single request. Mm. And then I can just like churn through that stuff on my own. So it doesn't I mean, I only have to make like at that point, like 20 requests or something to go and well, more than that. But yeah, make like so, less than 100 requests to get all of the cards out of the database. That's cool. So uh, what are your like, who's using this? Can you remind remind me of like, who's like, do you have paid users of, of this? No. So I basically didn't launch, right? It's yeah. technically you could sign up. I have not told a soul outside of this podcast and like a handful of people that play Pokemon here in Fort Wayne, basically, about it. Well, the problem is you just unleashed the stand-up soldiers. So you're going to get a lot of sign-ups. A lot of sign Uh Kevin signed up and poked around for a second. I did see that as my one of my users. Uh, <laughs> nice. Thanks, Kevin. He didn't give me any feedback, which is probably like, hey, it's busted, dude. And this thing doesn't work. Yeah. Well, he's probably like, uh, where's the collector? Where's the yeah, collector dude. stuff? Why can't I collect? Because yeah, you didn't got, give me any I've money, got 13 Kevin. staff cards, dude. Dude, all I, I got another revenue stream you can you can do. <laughs> I can't even say without laughing. Uh, you could do some NFTs. Oh my <laughs> god! Pokemon Let's <laughs> can we not talk about this? NFTs make me mad, dude. <laughs> I I collect dislike, them all. I dislike the blockchain with a passion because Aww. it's like what's wrong with the blockchain? Blockchain. Well, I mean, so blockchain in concept, good. Blockchain and like Bitcoin's effect on the planet, not yes. good. Yes, uh, they're they're generally just it's not a good idea to spend loads and loads of energy to make fake money that requires you to spend loads and loads of energy to exist. <laughs> exactly. uh, so, exactly. like, it, yeah, it literally. I there's got to be. I have to imagine the amount of energy consumed on Bitcoin exceeds the market cap of Bitcoin. Right? You think it's that bad? You think? Well, it has to be right because it it takes like. Yeah. yeah, somebody did the math. Yeah, yeah. Besides the initial, the initial Bitcoin that was being mined, right? Mm-hmm. Like all of the constant mining, and since it gets harder and harder as things progress, it literally just makes it less valuable in the sense of like offset, you know, being carbon neutral mm-hmm. or whatever. So mm-hmm. like it's yeah, infuriating to me. <laughs> and NFT, NFTs are questionable too because you're like there's there's the funny thing of like somebody can be like here's your NFT. I also, by the way, I can make another one that's exactly the same thing. So there can be another original NFT that's the same thing. Uh, so stupid. So, so yeah. Stupid. Cool. So you're not gonna you're not gonna follow up on that uh, on that revenue stream. Yeah, I'm gonna avoid that one, like right. the plague. But uh, right. yeah, also I think Nintendo would come after me. Um, <laughs> but maybe not. Who knows? So yeah, all right. That's my 20 minutes. Uh, how about your uh, last month? I guess how have things been going? 
I have so not listened I've, to our podcast recently, so I don't even remember where we left off necessarily. Uh, so I've pivoted to a, an NFT platform. Ah, uh, nice. Okay, sorry I insulted your your. Life it's fine. Budget. It's fine. This podcast is over. Um, so uh, since we last spoke, um, I have done a grand total of zero things for Tetsu. Gotcha. You just motivation fell off or you just been real busy with? No, uh, I've been, um, so that other client I've been working on, I'm still kind of working on that client. Um, just cause I want to get it done at the, before the end of this month, uh, cause we're going on vacation. I just want to get, get that out of there. And actually it's actually been really fun. It's like a rail six port of like a rails four app. Um, and I, I know thought, this oh, client, just, right? Uh, yes. I okay. was like, oh, I'll just port everything over, you know, I don't, and just be on Rails 6 then. And then because they want like new features mm-hmm. and a little bit of workflow changes and things like that. But as soon as I started digging into it, it has some sort of some front end um, interactions with using jQuery previously. So uh-huh. this time around, I started using Hotwire. I'm like, oh, this is Rails 6. I, I have I've some JavaScript. Tweets. I've seen I've some seen tweets. JavaScript sprinkles, you know, I'm going to use Hotwire. Um, uh-huh. And actually I've been really like, dude, I've been really enjoying. There's something about like a Rails, brand new Rails CRUD app that like, I don't know, it kind of just makes me addicted to like work on it. It's, it's because weird. you can iterate so fast oh, on that Rails. That is, I was so actually fast. going to like say that because like once you get, you know, like example is like, there's like, I don't know five list pages on this thing. Um, and all the columns need to be sorted. So mm-hmm. I built one like r- helper with some, some stimulus and, um, some turbo stream stuff. And once I had one column done on one of these lists, I just was able to like, through the use of modules and partials and concerns and like, um, nested routes and things it's like so easy to slot slap these things onto like other parts of the application and just like having that stuff fit together at the end and like seeing your speed increase like oh i have to do this list well okay last time it took me a day to do this and now Mm -hmm. this time it takes me an hour to do it because i have all the pieces in play and it's really so easy to kind of snap together that's why i still love rails man i do rails is is really i I credit a lot of my career, like, and yeah. my learning, cut my teeth and stuff on Rails, right? Like, I spent so much time. I learned a lot of good programming practices from working on Rails apps. I saw a lot of mm-hmm. satisfaction from just building stuff with Rails. So, yeah, I did. I love Rails. I haven't used yeah. it in years at this point, um, but right. I still do think it's such a wonderful piece of software. Yeah, it's and and Turbo Streams actually is really really good, man. It's really like there's. There's like this nice separation of like server side versus JavaScript. Like there's all turbo streams can really do is uh, update the DOM. So if you want to replace a DOM element, you want to update a DOM element, you want to prepend or append a DOM element. That's all you can do. And it turns out that's like 90% of the JavaScript that you want to write. Yeah, a lot is, of times. Yeah. That's is go much. fetch me, you know, something from the server give me some data back and replace the Dom with this data from the server. Mm-hmm. And you can just still do that with just plain old rails and some turbo stream stuff. Um, and it's like super, super nice. So it's mostly a lot of, 
it's a lot of turbo streams responses. Um, and it turns out all those turbo stream responses are on like the update of the thing. So they're on like update actions or create actions, things like that. So nice. Yeah. I've never, yeah, I haven't just, even looked at any of the code for uh, Hotwire or any of the turbo packages involved. Yeah. In I, I can't remember all the package names. See, that's the unfortunate thing. I think the whole like Hotwire umbrella of stuff mm-hmm. is very confusing. You don't really kind of know how it all plugs together. Like from the outside, like when I went into it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to start using Hotwire. And then I like had to like watch that video that DHH did like three times to like really figure out what the heck is going on. Yeah, I will say um, that I think the fact that live view is one thing. Yeah. And it just works. Mm-hmm. Does make it like such it's a way better marketing package, right? Even yeah. though I'm I th- and there's some stuff in Hotwire that like doesn't can't be done in live view, right? Or am I wrong about this? It can't be done in Isn't there like um, what are turbo frames? Those are the ones that I was unsure of. Yeah, see exactly. So turbo frames, all it really is is just a div with a name and that's the thing that's your framing out. So you can basically replace that or update that or, or do whatever with that frame. Oh, okay. It's a live view component. Got it. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, um, things like that, they're just, they, they have like a name to it and like a quote unquote tech to it. And Mm -hmm. it's really just, if they would just say, it's just a div that has an ID to it. (laughs) Yeah, that seems like, like it would be like, oh, this is a hot wire container or like exactly. I yeah. think live view component is really like this is one yep. subsection of a thing that works on its own. Yeah, like the whole like hot wire thing is not even a thing. It's just a collection of, you know, turbo, which replaced turbo links uh-huh. and uh, stimulus, which is still their same old JavaScript library. There's nothing new to it. Maybe they might hook up some turbo stuff behind the scenes. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. not quite sure about that, but. Um, stimulus is the same. And then Strata's, I haven't even looked at that, but I'm, I think that's just hooks into, you know, iOS and Android type of stuff. So you can gotcha. kind of do the same that's thing. That's the part. That's the part that is, is new. I knew there was something that I'm like, I don't think Phoenix cares about this. Yeah. <laughs> that one makes yeah. more sense, which that one makes a lot of sense for Basecamp because they build mm-hmm. HTML based web apps for multi-million dollar things, right? Like, yeah, yep. they get and a I lot did the of mileage same, out of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I did the same sort of, uh, we worked on a, an app that had a React front end, mm-hmm. um, which was, or, I'm sorry, this was a real iOS app. It wasn't a React. Um, but there was like, we got to a point in the project where it's like, all right, let's not reinvent this page with iOS controls, mm-hmm. like Swift controls and, and crap. So we started just hooking, just showing web pages and that hook into iOS from like being able to talk from your web app to iOS's um, uh, web container thingy. Mm-hmm. I forgot what they call it. There's, there's, the there's a way to, there's a way to talk in between those things. So I'm assuming Strata just hooks into that really nicely. Gotcha. So, yeah. So, yeah. So I've been having a lot of fun with that, uh, but actually that project is, um, almost over and I'm, I'm ahead of the game cause I've worked on it so much. So actually today, uh, I started working on uh, tattoo a bit and kind of nice. got my bearings about where I was at. And, um, I'm s- basically, I got <clears throat> the OAuth stuff working. Nice. Did time. you end up writing your own custom OAuth thing since Uber auth wasn't quite working for you? Yeah. So last time Uber auth, 
there was a four. Okay, so Slack changed their um, OAuth. Right now, now you get back kind of two tokens. You get back a bot token, a token for the bot mm-hmm. that they OAuth, and and your own token. And you want to hold on to both of those because sometimes you want to act as the bot and sometimes your bot wants to act as the user. So you want to hold on to both of those uh, tokens. The fork turns out just doesn't bot for user. You still just get exactly. You still just get the bot token. So I was like, gotcha. all right, this this still doesn't work. So um, I'm actually going to use um, OAuth two. Uh, there's a package that's kind of lower level than Uber Auth, which is kind of nice because I'm going to implement it in Tetsu and then move it over to Juve. Mm-hmm. That that piece is going to be a lot more easier to do than than you know. Uh, I'm not going to bring Uber Auth into Juve. No, Juve. and I imagine OAuth too. This is one of the beauties, like beautiful things about a lot of Elixir packages, is that you look at them and you're like, oh, this has literally no dependencies. Or it depends yeah. on Hackney, right? Which everything depends on Hackney, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like no Gary for yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and I think actually I haven't verified this, but I actually think that the Uber Auth uh, package uses um, uses OAuth two, the OAuth two mm-hmm. package. So that um, seems reasonable to me. Yeah. So I'm I'm in the process of doing that, and then the other thing I. I'm in the process of doing, actually I worked on right before this call is, um, Juve is still sponsorware. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm actually going to, to remove that, that, uh, limit, um, just so I can create Juve more out in the open, mm-hmm. but for now it's still, um, a private package. Okay. And so my CI is all messed up. All the rods and cones in my CI are all messed up. Um, um, because it can't pull down, it can't pull down that package. So I found a, a GitHub action cause this is the CI is built on GitHub actions mm-hmm. that will, you can specify multiple SSH keys and it automatically like hooks into like the GitHub, like known hosts and does the, the stuff that you need to do mm-hmm. for I it bet to I'm say, using hey, the same, uh, package by the way. Okay. It's like, it's from like web factory or something like that. Okay. never mind. I'm it's not, like but SSH. same general concept though. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know if that's going to work. I actually, like, right before this call, like, pushed it. And then I found that it was actually the previous push I did today and this push are now failing on a different reason that they weren't failing on. I haven't even touched it. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't update mixed dependencies. And now one of the mixed dependencies cannot uh, be installed because something with an SSL thing problem. Oh, uh, fun, fun. Anyway, Yeah. So I'm kind of like going down the rabbit hole of like, this is what happens when you leave stuff just sitting in the corner. Yep. It collects yep. dust. And so, mm-hmm. yep. yeah, that's what so I felt like back to my, that branch for pulling in market prices. I looked at it and go, what in the yeah. F was I doing, dude? Like <laughs> I, you squint a little and you can kind of see that I might've been coherent, but then you look at a real close and you're like, dude, is I drunk? I don't understand. The good thing I do usually like on side projects like this, where I know that it might be days in between of me touching them, is I always like leave a, either a broken test or I'll leave um, something in the uh, pull request or issue that I'm working on to just like a checklist, like a to-do checklist of mm-hmm. things that need to happen before this is good. Nice. Um, so that's always a good thing to like go back. And, and I was like, oh, I have this checklist. And I was like, yep, yep. Still got to do that. Still got to do that. Um, so that was good. Good way to remember what the heck I was working on. Yeah. So that's it, man. Um, my next like 
part is just gonna uh, i'm i'm actually really excited about Jervais and tetsu again so mm-hmm. that's good that's um, good i'm glad i mean because you were doing this other project and you're like i'm gonna this this project based on like time or whatever will be really fruitful for money wise right like it has a good roi uh, I said that so you were going to get more time to work on Tatsu is kind of what I thought, right? Yep. Yep. But um, the Braille's project, though, this is what makes me a bad uh, consultant. This you're bad at just, estimating. <laughs> well, I'm hor- everybody's horrible at estimating, even if they admit that or not. But like, I, I'm just spending like way too much time on like, you know, refactoring. I'm like, oh, I can refactor this to this and make this even uh, nicer. I'm like, yeah. I'm the only freaking developer on this freaking thing. They just want it done. I just want to do it. But there's just something in me that's like, I just can't, I just can't ship something like that. So I just spend too much time on, on just making things right and good mm-hmm. and perfect. And so <laughs> it's, it's, but it's fun. So I, I, I don't really care about making, you know, um, losing money on this i'm not losing money yeah yeah but i'm having fun and so anyway oh i do have one other just random since this is our last podcast for quite a while well we didn't say that yet you did you said it was the last oh i guess you you said it was the last podcast before i have a kid so we're gonna we're going to put this uh we're gonna end this season season uh four Mm -hmm. uh with a little cliffhanger um you know what what happened with Keith and his baby? Did Keith what end up just shutting you... down Juniper's lab because he? Uh, <laughs> yes. Didn't Did Keith throw his computer out the window because uh, he has two kids now? Um, did Jamie uh, stop looking at Twitter to finish his project? So we're gonna put this on pause for I don't know. We never really discussed uh, when coming back. Do you want to just come back in three months when I'm done with paternity leave? Sure. I mean, if that works for you, yeah. it gives us like a line in the sand to kind of know. And I'll be like back to working at that point. So yeah, I, I like that. There, I'll probably have more to talk about. Cool. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll uh, we'll pencil it in for three months. And if we get the urge to come back sooner, we'll we'll come back sooner. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, at least a couple case, months. I'll most likely just be a host and just ask you questions because we'll, we'll still see what it looks like. Because last time around I was on, I had paternity leave for 10 weeks because I took a couple of extra weeks of vacation. I was like, dude, I'm gonna get so much done. I didn't do anything. So yeah, that was, yeah, I've learned my lesson. Yeah, that's good. Good. Yep. Cool. Three, three months. Um, yeah. And plus like, I just want to step away because like between this and the masterminds group, it started making Tetsu into like a job. Like, oh, I need to have something for my mastermind group update. Oh, I need gotcha. to have something for the podcast update. And I'm like, dude, it's just going to get done when it gets done. And like, I don't want to have this extra um, guilt when mm-hmm. when kind of this stuff came up. So. I can kind of feel you there. That was one of the reasons why I, I had to stop working on Chronic is because I there were times when I wasn't feeling motivated to work on it. And then I had to report like I did nothing on the podcast. Yep. And then it just like as a negative feedback cycle that mm-hmm. progressively made mm-hmm. me lose interest in the project. Yep. But okay, cool. do we have yeah, so what's your one thing? Dark? Yeah. Um, oh, after dark. Uh yeah. So thank you for all of our sponsors this season. Uh, there you and, go. And uh, now we're going to go into the uh to the uh, after dark portion. Yeah well since <laughs> our last one we've got some time to talk about this. But uh I I don't even remember how it happened, but I built a random Vue.js progressive web application. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, title. Title. Uh, yeah, I don't even know how it happened. But so I was doing this thing and one of my favorite this. I don't know why everything comes back to games. I must play too many games is what it comes down to. But 
one of my favorite board games is a game called Dice Throne. And it's like a mix between Magic the Gathering and Yahtzee, and I can get my wife to play it. So that makes it pretty good. Like Dice Throne, like Game of Thrones? Dice Throne? Uh, yeah, kind of. Yeah, that, yeah, that kind of throne. Okay. Um, and I mean, it's it's a pun, obviously, on yes. the other, yep. other throne. But yeah, so they it's a like a it's a dueling game. Like you, you each of you has a hero and the hero has like a little leaflet that you like roll out and you roll dice like you would in Yahtzee. And certain the, each hero has custom dice um, that have different symbols on them and numbers or whatever. And then what you roll, like if you roll a large straight, it does a certain thing like that's an attack. You attack the other person, oh, takes their health down. Cool. Whatever. Yahtzee Dude, time. This game is baller. Like I love it. It's my favorite board game. I love. Uh, God damn it! Now I gotta have a beep in there. Yahtzee. Yahtzee is like one of my favorite games. Yeah, ever. you should check out Dice Throne. Uh, All right. They, they come in. So they come in dueling packs, right? Because they're they're a bunch of different heroes and they have seasons. And you buy them in these. You can buy them in these boxes where it's like kind of like this podcast. Yeah, exactly. So you can buy <laughs> you can buy these boxes that are two different heroes up against each other. Each season has four boxes, so you can have eight heroes from from each thing. And a box is like 20 bucks or whatever. And that's all you need nice. to get started. Um, like, I think the, the good one is get the gunslinger versus the samurai is like the good oh. starter box because neither of those are that complicated. There are much more complicated heroes you can play later on. Do they have a ninja? Uh, yeah, actually, the ninja's baller. Um, the, the ninja the comes with baller, dude. the ninja comes with the treant as the other one. Um, okay yeah i'm sorry i keep interrupting let's go yes okay we'll put dice throne and we'll put dice throne in the show notes but uh it's a dueling game is how the game started but they built a cooperative game to where you can play as long as you have some heroes you can be on the same team and you roll out like you pull a card out and you set up a dungeon basically and you have little miniatures and you go through the dungeon exploring and fighting little like minion monsters and stuff and so i bought that expansion and you can have like there's campaign scoring. So you get like loot cards that change the deck of cards that you have. And there's a, there's a bunch of stuff going on for it. But basically, it was never designed to be able to support multiple campaigns of doing this thing because you can't like beat the whole game in one setting because it can take like you do like one session and there are eight sessions to beat the game and you have to succeed at all of them. So I was like, well, I want to be able to keep track of this. And I'm playing a session by myself like just a solo campaign. And I wanted to have a campaign where Kendra could join me too. So I built dice throne dot tools. <laughs> it, it basically gives you the ability to tell it what heroes you own. Uh, it has a hero randomizer. So if you don't want to pick who you play, it'll just randomly generate them. You just be like, Hey, I own these heroes and there are three of us playing right now. Just give us some random heroes to play. So I built a hero randomizer. And then I also built a campaign tracker so you can track campaigns and it has like a whole loot card shop system and understands the rules for grading an individual session and stuff like that. So that, that explains some of the game portion of it, but I built it and I was like, I, I think I want to build this in view and we'll try to build it as a progressive web app so that it can be like offline access. Like you don't need the internet to use it. I'm not going to have a server backend. I'm just going to use local storage to store stuff. I'm just going to use tailwind UI. Well, of course, <laughs> obviously, dude, I wasn't going to build out my own freaking design for this. I was like, I'm going to do this as rapidly as I can. That's awesome, dude. And, nice. uh, so yeah, I think I probably built this in like four or five hours, maybe. Wow. And eventually there was there was some stuff I added on later that took a little bit more time. Like I had to manually do the data entry for all of the cards uh, just so they're all there and they like show up in in the JSON file so they can continue to work offline. 
But uh, yeah, so I built that and it was a wonderful experience. Vue.js is freaking amazing, dude. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I will take Vue over React probably any day of the week, I think. Yeah. There's oh, some boy. pretty neat stuff. Cards and letters. Cards and letters. What? Um, cards and lever- letters to uh, to uh, Keith for uh, starting the front end war between our uh, stand up saying I'm not saying it's a war. I'm just saying I have my preference now and I just like the way that Vue works. Like you you have all of your JavaScript bits in one section of a .view file. You have all of your markdown or like your actual HTML bits in a different section of the markdown. And or because presentation is is separate from uh from behavior. Yeah. That's that's definitely different than React. Yeah, no, I I being No, I I'm yeah, I'm like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like, the last time I messed with React, it was, I mean, it's a lot of like, you have a function that just returns a bunch of HTML. Yeah, um, that's literally JSX, what, that's, blah, blah, blah. That's but all. yeah, so this is when you create a single view or a single file view component, you set up a template tag and then you have your script tag and you can actually have scope styles too. So you can have a style tag in there that has styles that only apply to components generated from the single file component, which is hmm. kind of cool. But yeah, it's like I went through and I built things in just like a really neat way. Also, Vue has stuff that I liked from using React is like officially maintained by Vue, right? So like React Router, the Vue has its own router that you can just add using the Vue CLI. You just do like Vue add router and it just like pulls in the official router implementation and hmm. puts sets up everything for you. Or like uh, Vue has its own thing that is effectively um, Redux called Vuex or Vux maybe. I don't know. But you can just be, view add that and it pulls that in. And I like using that too. So, and then you mm, have. Sounds very you know, Railsy. You know? Yeah, it's, dude, it's sweet. I, I enjoy it a lot. But like, I was like, I want to set up a toast component, right? Like, how, how am I going to go about doing this kind of thing? Well, you don't do like, uh, this is probably the, the, the neatest part about things. So when you're setting up stuff in your template, you, it works kind of like Alpine. I mean, Alpine's based on Vue and how Vue works, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, so like in your template, you would do like V bind and you can bind to an event or whatever. And you, you like have it up there and you just reference like the name of a function or whatever that, that'll get called when this thing happens. And you can have sub components, right? That you write to your own custom components that go up there. And you're like, well, how do I get, how do I pass it an updater function? Right? Well, you don't. That's the thing is you don't, you don't pass functions in for things like a render funk or whatever like that. You instead, you just bind to an event and you have your custom thing emit an event that does the thing and then like the separation there is really nice because you don't have to worry about like creating closures to wrap functions that you can then pass into other components you're just like i'm just going to bind to this event and run this thing Hmm. and yeah it uh that's sweet the usage of it is like so nice and i just really enjoyed my time working with it so it's like right now for work today i'm actually going through and i want to build some stuff for uh a different like part of the content production crew and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to build these guys a really fast web app in Vue that just generates them this template file that I need them to use for some other tool that I built them. And I'm like, this is going to take me literally no time at all because I've just, I honestly sort of feel proficient in Vue already, even though I haven't been using it for that long. So I'm pretty excited about it. That's cool, man. Um, you spelled coffee wrong. This cool. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> Buy me a caveve. Co- Oh, confefe. Oh, no, not the. <laughs> I did. It's just one F. Uh, I did have somebody buy me a coffee, which actually kind of surprised me. They didn't buy you a coffee, though. They bought you a confefe. Um, they got me a <clears throat> cafe. But yeah. So. Cool, man. Nice. 
Oh, uh, yeah. Four so, hours, oh, huh? That's cool. Yeah, probably. That would be my guess. And there's some pretty neat stuff in here. Like if you go and create a campaign, there's there's a lot of little things in here where it, they're optional settings. So like once you beat the game, uh, there are legacy packs in a, the adventures mode, which are like cards that you shouldn't open until you meet a criteria in the game. And the game will tell you to open these cards. And then that changes the game forever for you, basically. Um, is all this data so I, stored locally? Like, Yeah, this is all local. Yeah, yeah nice. everything like there's no server, there's no yeah anything. This is actually just deployed on Netlify, and yeah, that's it. So it doesn't doesn't take basically anything at all for me to do. I just push it up, and it's almost instantly out. I do one thing I do need to add is like, so since it's a um, progressive web app, and you can literally do the thing where you like add it to your home screen, and it doesn't have any Chrome to it, so it works mm-hmm. like it would be you know some sort of application on your phone. Well, I don't have it. There's no way for me right now to have a little pop up that says like, hey, the the application updated. You need to refresh the page, basically. Um, so to actually you update need- it, if you if you have it like installed, you actually just have to swipe to kill the app and then click the thing again and it'll re- fetch a new version. But um, that's not like you have to know that that would work. So I, I want to add a little lifecycle hook in to where it can sense when there's been a change to the actual uh, application itself. And it can just give you a little pop-up, which is like a pretty standard thing. Mm-hmm. But nice. Yeah. So that was, yeah. that was that. When are you uh, going to, when are you going to add your microservices to that? <laughs> yeah. I, you know, don't need them. Don't need them. I, there was somebody mm. like, who was like, I think cons- wanted to be able to do this on multiple devices. And I was just like, Nope. Like you just, when you're managing your campaigns, you just have to use the same device, dude. Like that's that's just how it is. This doesn't cost me anything to run. It's super fast. There's no privacy concerns, like nothing. So yeah, yeah. I thought it was, it was a really fun side project. Tailwind UI makes it nice to just build out stuff really quick, especially if I don't care if it looks like similar to something else somebody has seen somewhere. Yeah. Especially stuff that's just already responsive. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this thing turned out thoughtfully. Yeah, yeah, it's I did run into some weird issues on something somewhere, but I I got it patched up. Got her got her patched. Got her patched up. So well cool, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a pretty neat, neat little side thing that I did that I thought you would get a kick out of when I'm just like, oh yeah, by the way, I learned this new framework and I built a thing. <laughs> uh, That's awesome. So. That's awesome. All right, dude. Hey, well, man. I guess I Well, hey, good season. You. Good yeah, season. This, this was a good one. Let's wrap her up. Let's wrap I don't know if we up. accomplished anything, but it was a good one. So we listen. <laughs> we did 26 episodes of saying I didn't get as much done, and we lost a couple so. in there somewhere too. There's at least a lost episode somewhere in season four because I yeah. forgot to edit it, and then it was like way too old. <laughs> yeah. Well, so. I've got one in the hopper still from last month, so um, nice. I'll release that next week, and then this one in a couple weeks. So all right. Well, cool. Cool, Sounds man. good, dude. All right. Well, hey, best of luck, uh, Papa, too. And, Thank you. Uh, and best of luck to Kendra. And uh, since you don't really do anything, so um, cool, man. And I will talk to you uh, next season. Sounds good, man. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.